Hello and welcome to another Comedian's Interview for my blog and podcast, A Rich Comic Life. My name is Richard Gill and my blog describes my experiences of watching over 1,000 comedians over the last 47 years. I'm delighted to welcome my guest today. It's only Victoria Melody. Yes! Hello! Hello! It's good to be here. Well, welcome. How are you? You all right? Well, I didn't even know there was 1,000 comedians. <laughs> is that all? Is that the UK or is that the whole world? No, it's well, they're American or British or whatever you whatever you want. But I've now got there's over one thousand one hundred entries in my blog. Um, but, but, but that's over the space of my lifetime. You know, I, I started when I was about seven. <laughs> but uh, it's it, it's wonderful. But anyway, thank you so much for being a guest on my podcast. Um, we're going to chat uh, for the next 45 minutes to an hour or so about your comedy career. And I'd like to start off by asking, how did you become a comedian in the first place, please? OK, well, this is going to take uh, 45 minutes. Uh, <laughs> please. So, so I write and perform theatre about Britain's enthusiasts. So I make shows and I'm actually in them. Right. And I am a bit like an anthropologist where I'll embed myself into a community for a really long time and like four years and I become things. Like I become a funeral director and a beauty queen and a championship dog show handler and a northern soul dancer, a pigeon fancier, uh, all these different things. Um, <laughs> yeah. And um, the last show I made was called Ugly Chief and it had my dad in it. Right. And it was a big show. It, it was, he had been diagnosed with a terminal illness. Right. And he'd asked me to organise his funeral. And so I trained to be a funeral director. Uh, and this is a true story. But then, and then we created this show, and the show was his living funeral. But then we found out that it was a misdiagnosis and he was actually fine. Right. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, exactly. We then <laughs> Uh, gave a whole different uh, outcome to the show. Um, and it was a very successful show. It got all four and five star reviews from the Times and the Guardian. And But the thing was, we Dad and I fell out. And so yeah. we were performing every night. And we were performing, in a way, a kind of love story. It was about a relationship um, between a father and, and, and a daughter and... Um, and and we weren't speaking backstage. And also, because it was such an ambitious show, there was four musicians, there was us two performers, a technician, a stage manager. It was so expensive to tour um, that, that we, although it had been very well reviewed, we were finding, finding it hard to tour. And so then I just went, oh, well, I've had enough of theatre now. It's impossible. I can't make a living from it. Um, I'm stuck performing with my dad. It's not malleable. You can't change it every single night. Yeah, I, yeah. I couldn't say in the show that I'd fallen out with dad. And so I was like, right, okay, I'm going to fall back and do my plan B. Yeah. 
So I decided, right, I'll just go and do stand-up comedy because it'll make me rich. I'll be naturally good at it because I'm naturally funny. Uh, it's malleable. You can change it every single night. There's looseness and freedom <laughs> and all these things. And then I started doing, I did a stand-up comedy course and um, I was just terrible at it. I, I thought, I was so naive. I thought it'd be so easy, but I was just really bad at stand-up comedy. And, what? Um, I, I just said, wow, I'm, I'm, wow. I'm surprised because yeah. when I've seen you, you've been hilarious. Oh, thank you. No, but I, Well, I was terrible when I was following the rules and formulas of stand-up comedy, especially the ones that are taught to you. And... I needed time to find my own style. But also, when I was um, doing all the open mic comedy nights, that anthropologist in me that has embedded myself into all those different communities just went, oh, my God, goodness, this is so interesting. There's, there's, there's a, a, like the scene has got its own language. It's got its own uniform, smart yeah. top, jeans and trainers. Uh, you know, that big Casio watch that everyone wears. <laughs> written on your hands. Like I was like, this is such an anthropologically fascinating scene. I want to make work about this. And so then, um, um, I decided to make a theatre show about the open mic comedy world, and that's my new show headset that's going to Edinburgh this summer. Wow. Well, I, I'm hoping to go and see it because I'm okay. going to Edinburgh uh, in, in August. I know this, is, this may be going out in 2023, but we'll move on to Edinburgh later on. Um, what sort of year are we talking when you first started in stand-up comedy then? So I did the course in 2017. Right. Didn't have a very good time and then started gigging a little bit in 2018. Right. But not very much. I, I really was I really wasn't enjoying it. Um every time I was getting up on stage I was like, "Oh no, here I'm here I go doing my unfunny jokes." <laughs> <laughs> I just hadn't found my style and it was, I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, I just kept dying. And so knowing that you're going onto stage to die is not an appealing feeling. Um, But then in 2019, I did another, I did another course. And then that, that course, I met some people on it and they started being my bringers and we formed like a little friendship group. Right. And that is when I started to find my own style, really. So 2019 started to be the year where I was going out gigging a few times a week. And the time when I got good, which is um, kind of unusual, I got good over lockdown. It happens. Many comedians have gone online and and done loads of shows and everything. It it, it definitely uh, definitely works for them. If it if it's that sort of genre for them within an enclosed space, but you'll still you've still got an audience. You're flying. You're away. Yeah, exactly. And that, because I'm a, I studied fine art at university, and right. I was a video artist. Right. And so working in this format was, my, you know, doing a Zoom 
thing was perfect because I, I live on a boat, so I could like move the laptop around and be like, oh no, the waves. And I could really play with the format of it. And um, and yeah, so I played with the film and um, created lots of different backgrounds and different scenes. And, and um, that I really got a lot of confidence. And then I started be put it being put on bills with um really good comedians like yeah. Nina Conti and and so then when we came out of lockdown all my friends that I'd started with at the same time who hadn't gigged because they were like I don't like Zoom I don't like it um you know I my I'd written loads of new material and was raring to go like that muscle was really I don't know what, what muscles do right <laughs> <laughs> muscle, uh, but the muscle was strong. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, um, so, and they were a bit out of practice. So then I came straight back onto the scene, kind of raring, ready to go. Right. And also, I loved the Zoom format because you could see into everyone's living room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, I've got ADHD, and so I forget everyone's names. But in Zoom, you can see everyone's names. So I'll be like, oh, isn't it Dave? Oh, I like the Star Wars figures, Janet. You know, you, you could interact. And, and I actually accidentally started emceeing through, uh, through that process. Yeah, so, yeah. That's, that is wonderful. That is such a good story to, 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 to see how you started. Um, and if it... And if it um, Helps at all. Um, I I had a go once at uh, stand up comedy, um, and uh, I've told this to many a comedian. Uh, um, I was at the Edinburgh Fringe, and I knew the chap who run the who run the Free Fringe, and uh, I said, uh, "Can I be a stand up comedian? Because I've I've got a script." And he said, "Yeah, yeah." He said, "We've got a gong show for old people." Uh, on Monday afternoon in the rain at the Haymarket, go on, you, and you know you might get gonged off. So I, I ran on with this script, and there was three people in there, and uh, I said, uh, "Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. People think I look like Eddie the Eagle Edwards, the ski jumper, but I can't see the resemblance myself because, of course, I do. I'm his double." And I thought, this is a fail-safe opening button. And one bloke at the back just went, fuck off, come me off. <laughs> to me on footsteps. But the promoter said, have another go, have another go. So I did it again. Similar thing happened. And I said, I don't know about stand-up comedy. I think my place is in the audience watching it. And clearly it is. Because uh, I, I, I love the fact that anyone who has got the bottle to get up and have a go that's half of it. it you, you mentioned confidence and a lot of the comedians say, you know, your confidence builds as the experience goes on. I think, I think you have to have a few bad gigs to make yourself a better comedian. And, it, and if you can get through that, it's you're flying. It's Absolutely. Fun. And that is a really brutal way for you to have your confidence. <laughs> I'm never saying that. Oh my goodness. I'm, do you know what? I think doing stand-up comedy and gaining confidence through it is, and I think everyone should do it. I know we don't need more comedians, but when when I, I'm, I'm from Chester originally, and I went yeah. to university in Newcastle, and I went to this really, I needed a, a part-time job, and I worked in this really rough 
football uh, pub called the Percy Arms, which was oh, right yeah. near St. James's, um, oh, St. James's, yeah. I can't remember, football courts, whatever they call them. James's. Uh, <laughs> it was proper lockers, punk place, and there was always fights. And I went there and I was just this really kind of naive 18-year-old girl who didn't know anything. And I just had people swearing at me and, you know, get me a pint of, I'm not going to do an accent, double maxim with no please or anything like that. And first of all, I was just really scared. But then after a month or two of being there, I was like, say please or you're not getting a drink. Too right. Too right. You know, and that gave me a kind of confidence but then, and but then with stand-up comedy, I lit. I feel now because I played to so many people that hate me, I can do anything. <laughs> I, 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 got, I doubt that. I doubt many of them hate you. <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, they've definitely not been there to see me, and I've been in places where they haven't liked the smell of me at all. But like, it's made me grow my skin so thick that I think it's a it's been a great aid. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I, I, I go to a regular comedy club every week. I go to Always Be Comedy. And when I first went there, it's based in Kennington. I sat halfway back. I would never sit on any front row. And because um, uh, I thought, you know, with my laugh, the comedians would be able to hear it. And the second time I went, I sat on the front row and I've never looked back because they're very warm there. They don't, they don't, um, They've got a very good audience and a great compare who just brings everybody in. So I, uh, he gets me up singing, and I can't sing a note. So, but, but it's clearly um, uh, an anthemic song, so everybody can drown me out. <laughs> joke, you see, but but to get up and actually get uh, to actually do something like that, your confidence goes through the roof. And 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 so what what is not to love about the genre of stand-up comedy? That's that's why I love it. So there you were, <coughs> excuse me, you started around 2009. Um, 19. 2019, I beg your pardon. I'd be, I'd be good. I'd be really good <laughs> if I started in 2009 by now. So um the way you got in was presumably through doing five minute sets in pubs. And did you did you have to bring people with you, friends with you, to sit and support you? Because I've done that many a time with many a comedian and I love it. Yes, yes. Um I did start off with the bringers. Yeah. Um I but I'm one of those people who kind of gets away with things and so I quickly got let off with having to bring anybody with me um, which was quite a nice thing I love a bit of special treatment I don't know why I get a special treatment I just do sometimes and um, yeah so five so little five minute spots yeah and then kept going got on to seven minutes ten minutes now I'm doing 20 (laughs) <laughs> and and your show at Edinburgh is that an hour or is that forty? Yeah, that, that's an, an hour. hour. Yeah. So so that's daunting but wonderful that you're doing it. Well, the thing is with uh, my show headset, it's a theatre show and it's also a stand-up comedy show. Right. And so it's in it's kind of meta, but it's like in the cave. 
case, it's in the case of a theatre show. So I like, I feel safe in that kind of uh, narrative arc because I've worked like that for years. Yeah. Um, so actually it's easier for me. And, and so we've just been doing a preview tour and we've been traveling around the country doing previews and half the audience have been stand-up comedy audiences and half the audience have been theatre audiences. And I know this because I ask at the beginning. And what this does is theatre audiences are very polite. Right. And um, they are amused very easily. So <laughs> I've been in this lovely <laughs> position where, I mean, I, I'm putting myself down. My my show is funny, but yeah. um, it is a, I'm, I've always got nice people in my audience, basically. I've managed to get the greatest audiences going. Well, I mean, my my view on heckling or not enjoying it, I mean, what's the point of going? You're You're there to... You're not there to listen to heckles or to listen to a people in the audience. You're there to watch the performance or the comedian, and and you know that's the whole point in going. And um, so, all your all your shows are of a theatrical background, but when you do a ten minute set or whatever, what do you tend to like to talk about? Is there any themes within the comedy or? No. Yeah, yeah. So, with, with, so with my theatre stuff, and I'd say that my theatre stuff was always a little bit like stand-up comedy, anyway, because it's direct mm. address. There's no fourth wall, which means yeah. I can speak directly to the audience. And if someone drops a drink, I can. I've always been able to speak to them. Um, I'm a bit like I've been called the Louis Farouk of theatre, and I'd say. <laughs> Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm really I love uh, Mark Thomas and so the I'm in a sort of similar vein to those people basically yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and a bit like Grace and Perry I'm a bit like Grace and Perry Mark Thomas and we need a woman and Tracy Emin uh, <laughs> uh, but on stage and so Theatre stuff and professional arts. Stand-up comedy, I'm coming up the ranks in professionalism. And so I'm still finding my feet. And I want to be able to talk more about the subcultures that I embed myself in. I haven't completely found a funny way, a really funny way of doing that yet. Because with stand-up, you've got to be funny. You can't just be amusing or interesting. Um, And so I've... I see myself going in a way where I can I can talk about interesting subcultures. Yeah, yeah. Um, but my stuff at the moment is stuff about um, I'm I'm accidentally surreal, um, but I'm still quite relatable. Very I much talk, so. I talk about. Um, I mean, I've got ginormous, massive biceps, like I'm like a freak. <laughs> right. Um, so I talk about that. I talk. Oh, I. Um, I'm in a relationship. I'm, I'm married, and so one of my favourite things is to make up songs about my husband, even though I can't really sing. <laughs> there's songs, songs about like him doing annoying things, like. Um, not cleaning up hairs that he leaves around. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, oh yeah, big thing about like 
because I'm because I'm 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 getting older and um, I'm starting to notice that, you know, you become a bit more invisible. And so that's something that I've been very interested in, in exploring in my stand-up comedy, um, that women uh, my age should become suicide bombers because no one would ever suspect suspect us it would help with our perimenopausal rage and as age um, starts in the workplace for women at age 40 we'd be grateful for the work so, uh, very good that kind of area too at the moment um when you're on stage is there do you have a way of remembering all your routines do you have pointers in your head or do you have notes on your hand or anything like this? No. So at the, so at the moment, it's been very much show, 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 show. So I haven't been gigging as much. Right. And, um, and so when I'm gigging at the moment, my roller deck of jokes and things isn't as isn't as like easy for me to access but if yeah. i'm gigging all the time then it just pops in i'll see someone with pink shoes and be like oh i've got something on that or else <laughs> you know, someone from chester where i'm from i'll be like got something on that and so i can just like i can bounce around then and but i do start the joke and i have to have confidence that i remember the punchline um because sometimes i'll go oh i start the joke and i'm like oh no i can't remember the punchline but if that thought enters into my head then i've sabotaged myself and i can never remember the punchline (laughs) Um, but because i'm kind of weird on stage i i can just say i can get away with saying just a setup without a punchline and still get a joke still get a laugh so um i can get away with it not too many times but the odds mistake i can it's it's interesting because other than this blog the most creative thing i ever did was um write a play and and me and my mate put it on for comic relief and um uh it was called the applicant and it's basically about me coming down from my home city which is carlisle to london and I had a, a very successful girlfriend who had a job and I never had an interview. I'd never had an interview in my life. So my mate played all the different interviewers and I was the interviewee. And so I had um, a monologue. Then he came on, we did the interview, monologue, interview, monologue. And I'd never written a play before and we'd rehearsed it for 10 weeks. And when when I ran out and I did a, this monologue, I forgot it and I wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I asked the question, how do you remember your routines? Oh, I don't know. No. What it, happened? Well, the, the director flicked the light on and my mate came on and we started the interview and I never forgot a word after that because I was bouncing off somebody. But um, uh, we did two more shows because it was very popular and I never forgot a word Again, it was just that it, it was just the first night walking out, and you know. So, um, but uh, I've never forgotten that, and it, and and it's intriguing when I'm sitting in an audience watching them. Some of them look at the hands, or look at the notes, or put put a put a mobile phone down. I re- recently saw Lily Phillips. Uh, the comedian and she put a mobile phone down in front of me and then started the show and the first thing she said she grinned at me and she said I'm going to have a great night tonight because I know your laugh 
Oh, that's good. And that's lovely. But but um, I've noticed a lot of them do record onto mobile phones so you know where you are, yeah? Yeah. I, I, well, I film myself right i'm quite physical and i'm i have got i've got a lot of facial expressions and sometimes i'll get the punchline will be my facial expression <laughs> and and i don't always know when i'm doing it what face i pulled so then i look back on the video and go oh i just went mm. and that got a laugh that was the punchline um but i yeah i i feel myself but the yeah, thing yeah. is that forgetting I love it when people forget. And and it's fun. like I forgot I I forgot um completely went blank in uh, in a preview and I and I said I can't remember. I don't know what I'm doing. And the audience loved it. There was it was like a few minutes. I didn't know the technician in the end had to get a script and just tell me where I was and it, it was probably the biggest laughs of the show. It, oh, oh, oh. We love it because we it's about seeing the human. Yeah, I, I was like literally like a rabbit in headlights because there was nobody on stage. But you try and wing it. And uh, the, the best joke I wrote in the play um, was his name. His name was Norman Oliver Hope. So it was N.O. Hope whenever he got any. Uh-huh. So I kept putting his name in and they were starting to laugh. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm beginning to remember this. And then he came on, my mate, and we were away. But um Anyway, there you go. That's 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 my story for you. Oh, uh, what is your view of comedy competitions? Have you done any? Have you? Uh, has it helped you at all over your career? Or I love competitions when I do well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. If I don't, they they're rigged. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, how do I feel about competitions? They're it really depends on the competition, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's good ones and there's bad ones. And at the end of the day, it's subjective. If we would, if you and I were to go to an art gallery, we we would pick out different paintings or different sculptures. Yeah. You can't put a Van Gogh next to a Matisse. Yeah. You can't, but they're both brilliant. So... So I just I just think of that all the time. It's down to the person's taste who's yeah. winning the night. Very I often, totally yeah. agree. It is it is completely subjective. The, the, um, I I um, uh, was invited to a writing class when I got my, when I started my blog off, and I had a half day there. And they all, the rest of them all wanted to be reviewers. <clears throat> and um, the woman said to me, she came to me and she said, "We've forgotten why we've invited you." And I said, well, I'm not a reviewer, I'm not a critique, I'm not a diarist, I'm not a reporter. I'm a member of the audience, I'm out to have a good time, and my blog is an infuse. Um, and she never bothered me again, and, and whereas they had a right go at the reviewers and everything. Um, but, yeah. but, but, but I totally agree with you. If, if somebody wants to read my blog, and please do, um, it's my experience of watching a particular comedi- comedian and then they can decide whether or not they want to go and see them. So it's the subjectiveness of it, you see. Because yeah, yeah. no, I think I think if anybody if everybody liked everybody, it wouldn't work. It's as simple as that. 
Exactly. A An artist called Franco B said to me years ago, because I said, I, w- I want to make work that everyone likes. And he said, if you want to make work that everyone likes, go and work for Ikea. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, very much so. <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, no, I do want to. My brother, he works in advertising. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to design for Ikea. I want to design, like, cult furniture. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some people really love. <laughs> that's that's brilliant. Right, let's move on. Um, do you suffer from any nerves before you go on stage? And if so, how do you cope with them? I did in the beginning crippling, but that was because I kept dying. So I just kept, <laughs> I was a lamb to slaughter every time. So of course I was going to be nervous because I knew it was going to be terrible. Whereas now, now I've got um, jokes that always work. And so I know even if I go into kind of new territory where something's not landing, I've got some best hits that I can pull out. So I'm not nervous anymore. And and I just feel like I've been doing it long enough now. I don't know how many gigs I've done, 200 odd. I've lost count, but... I've just been in so many situations with people that have heckled me, people that have fallen asleep in front of me. This is not oh, like in comedy. Um, walkouts. I, I'm just, I've had it all. So now I'm just like, I'm not scared of you. I'm not, I, you, I'm not scared at all. And that, so now I, the nerves have gone. I know that. People, uh, people mostly, they want you to do your best. Like they, they, they don't want you to fail. They want you to succeed, especially if they bought tickets. I mean, unless it's a gong show and it's gladiatorial, they want, <laughs> they want to be entertained. And so I can do that. I can entertain. Yeah. Nice. And so I'm, I'm not afraid anymore of people. It's been amazing for me to learn that. Would you say that as soon as you speak into a microphone, the nerves go? Because you're out there to make that audience laugh no matter what. Yeah, yeah. Or, is, or does it make it worse? <laughs> I know. I, it's, I, I feel like it's more excitement now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel... Is, so I feel like kind of I start like getting all this energy pulsing through me and I just feel like I'm driven all the way here you know it's I've given up I'm gonna have a good night and so it's, <laughs> it's an excitement yeah. now this is these That's are my nights out I know I don't go out anymore because of stand-up so like <laughs> it's my night out I'm gonna have a bloody good time <laughs> That's that's lovely. Um, let's move on to Edinburgh itself. I'm very, very fortunate to go to Edin- the Edinburgh Fringe for my holidays every year. I go, I've, um, I've been every year since 2005, and I go for a week, and I see about 50 shows. And a load of people come up with me different times of the week. I meticulously plan a spreadsheet, what I'm going to go and see, and I'll often end up seeing a lot more. I think it's the most incredible experience. Can you tell me 
your first Edinburgh Fringe and what, what, how did you feel like when you went there? Were, were you there performing or were you there as a punter? Or So the first time I went to the Fringe, I took a show called Major Tom and right. it and it it was called Major Tom because that was the name of my Basset Hound and he was in the show. Lovely. And <laughs> I've been taking him to dog shows and um and then I've and I was making a show about dog shows, but then I felt guilty because no the um championship shows he kept doing really badly and no one was taking his personality into account and i felt really guilty so then i decided to enter myself into beauty pageants and so the show followed our story as he got to crofts and i got to the mrs uk finals wow (laughs) (laughs) that's fantastic (laughs) it was a great story and it all drew and I congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> I, I so, the, so I got there. I'd never been to Edinburgh before. I, I was in Summer Hall, and um, I went out to see this show. I hadn't sold any tickets because no one knew who I was, but that was fine. And I went out to see this show, and it was a really bad show. And I, I'd gone on my own, and I got talking to this guy, and um, we had a laugh at how bad this show was. And um, there, at one point, there was this woman, and she was like, "Should I jump?" And she was at the top. We we went out. We got we had to take a bus out to this um, gym in the middle of nowhere. And there was this woman on a climbing frame going, "Should I jump or should I stay?" And it was terrible acting. And oh. I started chant going, "Jump, jump!" Please. <laughs> 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 I was so naughty I was so naughty and mischievous I don't know what got into me but anyway we got I got talking to this guy and it turns out that he was a reviewer for the times and he said oh I haven't heard of you before and I said well I've got a show called Major Tom at um Summerhall I'd love it if you came and he came and he loved it so much and he cried in the front row and he gave it five stars Wow! In the in the times. Well done, you. That's incredible. Incredible. So this was on maybe day three, and wow. then for the rest of the run, it completely sold out. Wow! That's and amazing. I came away with a four and a half thousand pound profit. Wow! So that was my first experience. <laughs> and that, that's what I thought Edinburgh was like. So that two years later, I was like, oh, I'll just take another show up because this is so easy. <laughs> and I took another I show up <laughs> as well. And I came oh. away with a two grand deficit. You know, so... <laughs> I, I, I went to uh, a show once. I mean, I've been to so many, but uh, uh, a friend of mine um, was reviewing shows up there. And... Um, there was myself and him in the in the crowd, and there was a, there was a chap in the front row, and the comedian who will remain nameless bounded on, and said, "Hello, everybody! Thank you all so much for coming along." And then he went, "Oh, there's only three people in here. It's it's not really worth doing my show tonight, but thank you so much for coming along. I'll buy you all a drink." And the bloke in the front row went, "No, I've paid my six pound. I want the hour." <laughs> Wow. They had to perform it, which was fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it it it's such a wonderful atmosphere. It either 
I wouldn't say make or breaks you, but it, it, it gets everybody together and it's such a melting pot of creativity. The whole month is just extraordinary. I'm excited. So the first time was amazing. The second time, not amazing. So I'm hoping this third time. The last time I was there was seven years ago. Right. So I I think this show is in pretty good a pretty good state. Um, I really enjoy performing it. I don't know how long it is because I keep adding bits. Um, where are you at this year? Pardon? Where, where are you going to be performing it? Presence Courtyard. Right. What time are you on? 4.50pm in the beside. Right. Um, I, I, I'm seeing a lot. Of, you, you'll probably see me around, but I'm going to do my utmost to fit you in, get you in yeah. there. Yeah, it, good. It would be, it, 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 be wonderful to see because what I what I love about you, and I'm and I'm coming on to this because the the next question is, um, I was very impressed when I saw you at Sofa So Funny, which is a very good comedy club, very recently, um, and I want to move on to you talking about your writing process. What I love about your act is the originality of it. I, I, I love the fact you never know what you're going to get with you. And it's, and it's always, it was hilarious. I was laughing out loud at these bizarre flights of fancy, uh, but yet it was so cleverly done. And this is why I want to see your theatre show, because if it's, if it's all constructed together as a whole, it'd be amazing. Can you tell me more about your writing style? Do you have one or, or, or do you just pick ideas and try and wind them together? Yeah, and so what I love is people like you, Rich. I'm upset. I am passionate about other people's passions. <laughs> I love enthusiasts, and like you are the biggest enthusiast ever. And so I think you'd love the show because it's really nerdy, yeah. because it's about open mic comedy, and it's yeah, like yeah. you are the ultimate enthusiast. And so my writing style comes from lived experience and so my so i will um this weekend i'm i'm spending time with people that race pigeons right so i'll be (laughs) sitting in a pigeon racer's garden in his deck chair talking about pigeons and they'll say something and i'll be like that is brilliant <laughs> I'll get you know yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> I, I get just things like that. In, so, yeah, conversationally things yeah. pop in. Because because famously uh, Peter Kay did that, or Peter Kay does that. He he is forever writing things down. Or Victoria Woods, another one who forever writing down what people say and then adapting it into the act. And and if you can do that, if you make notes straight away, and then go back to them and say, "Oh yeah, I remember that," you know, that that would that's a very good way to construct a show, I think. Yeah, yeah, people are amazing, and they say the weirdest things, and I just think that um, fact is so often so much more interesting than fiction, and and yeah. can be so much weirder, and so so it comes from. You know, actually experiencing things, my comedy. Doing. I love, I love the fact that you like the weirdness. Sorry to interrupt, <laughs> <laughs> but but I, but I think that's wonderful because um, 
you have this very sweet innocence when you walk on stage and then you just let rip. (laughs) 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 And that's, I love comedians like that. (laughs) (laughs) You've been so kind to me. I love all these compliments. You make me very You're a very good, funny comedian and I'm delighted to have you as a guest. Oh, Um, yeah. To date, what has been your comedy highlight? Have you had one? Comedy highlight. God, what is it? Wow, there's been a few. I, I think the penny dropping. I, I think I was a bad comedian for longer than most people. <laughs> I think it took me longer to find my style and my stage presence and what I wanted to talk about on stage. I'm a tortoise in the hair. I've always been slow at everything. I've always been the one behind. And, right. and I, but I always do eventually catch up and win. Uh, no, I don't really win. <laughs> but, but maybe I do. Uh, and so I think the penny dropping and then going, oh, right, okay, I don't need to follow these formulas i don't need to do rule of three i don't need to um work with right turns or pull back and reveals or these things i can just sing a song about pubes (laughs) i must hear that one day yeah i just (laughs) having the liberation of that and realizing it was funny was was, like the good time for me and the turning point just as a just as an offshoot of the question was do you think there was was there ever a point uh where you thought to yourself i can do comedy and i can do it well what was there a point where you suddenly thought i could make a career out of doing this <sighs> I mean, the thing is, a career, a career that pays two pounds an hour. <laughs> it's, I mean, that was the funny thing that I went from theatre because it was badly paid, paid to comedy, equally as badly paid, if not worse. The reason, uh, the reason why I asked the question is that if comedians have bad nights, they keep going. So they, 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 they have a mechanism of forgetting the last night and starting again the, the next day. I think Sarah Millican said famously, you forget about last night if it was bad and you start again at 10 o'clock the next day. I mean, you can record all your, your comedy and all the rest of it, but as, a, as the, if the experience wasn't as good, you would start again the next day and eventually it comes good. Do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. It's a bit like childbirth. <laughs> no, I've never looked at it like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I was my friend's, I haven't got kids of my own, but I was my friend's birthing partner and it is horrendous. And I was just like, that is painful. And all, like, I know you get a baby at the end of it, which is amazing, but there's no way any human should have to go through that. And, I said, and then, Gets pregnant again. She's forgotten, and that's what doing gigs is like. <laughs> I, su- I suppose it is a good analogy because another reason why I do my blog 
is um, watching great comedians grow at the start. So an infamous one was um, 30 years ago, I first saw Harry Hill downstairs at the King's Head. And he, he was late for the show and he brushed past me, climbed up onto the stage. And his first line was, um, ladies and gentlemen, I'm really sorry I'm late tonight. Uh, I had to have a testicle brought down and paused and everybody burst out laughing and <laughs> from Derby. And <laughs> to this day, that's my favourite opening line. And when I met him 25 years later, I told him this. He went, oh, Rich, he said, I, I say this every night. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> Hey. <laughs> so you know oh, it, it, it's, it's it's magic um watching comedians grow and you're you're a case in point. You know, if you've had difficult gigs in the past, you're flying on the crest of the wave now because you've got it all to play for. You can embrace Edinburgh this year and you're gonna have a wonderful time. Yeah, I hope so. And um, yeah, not hope so. I am going to. Yeah. I'm that, to be there or at least buy you a drink in the Crescent's courtyard when I see you. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, who are your uh, favourite comedians, past and present? Did, when you were growing up, did you have comedy in the house or? No, not really. No. We watched terrible TV. Things like Alf Garnet and yeah. um, things like that. I mean, and my parents are working class Tories, and so we just watched <laughs> terrible, terrible TV. <laughs> um, so I only really discovered comedy later on. Right. So I love John Kearns. Oh, he's brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant. I mean, I, he talked for 10 minutes about a man, the way he wraps his baps. And it was so funny that I fell onto stage laughing. Like, I have never been that uncontrollably creased over. As someone talking about something that's so banal and every day, but doing it in such a funny way. Just brilliant. I love him so much. I, I saw him once. Uh, he does a character whose name I, escapes me, but he has false teeth. There's something wrong with his teeth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As he progresses with the routine, the teeth start going everywhere. And because I was laughing so hard at him, he burst out laughing and the old <laughs> 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 again. I thought, he's good. <laughs> but he's good. He, He's a comedian that knows how to hold silence. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's a gift. Yeah. He's very playful and experimental, and I love that. I'll have to say Mark Thomas, because he was one of the first that I saw, and I was like, oh, wow, he can do this really interesting political stuff that is still funny. Um, Love um, Sarah Pascoe, that she can talk about really nerdy things and make those funny. Um and um Daniel Kitson, obviously I oh. love his whimsy. Yeah, yeah. Um his choices. Yeah. So I'd say I'd, people I'd say a slightly more kind of left field, more interesting comedians would be favourite, rather than the kind of laughter monkeys. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, my, my first ever gig uh, with my mum and dad and my brother was in Scarborough, age seven, and we went to see Les Dawson, and, wow. and he was just incredible. All the characters and the and the uh, voices and the jokes and everything. And then a year later, we saw Tommy Cooper, and um, the the curtains opened. There was a bed on stage, and he's lying on it. And one woman in the audience, Pat's audience, was crying with laughter and it trickled round. So everybody was laughing after about five minutes. He hadn't done a thing. He's just lying there. And then he pops his head up, perfect timing. And he went, what, what, somebody come on. Why are you laughing? (laughs) 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 And that was it. And everybody just collapsed. He was unique. Um, but uh, that, that, and that's what gave me the book. That's what gave me the book. I've seen, saw Rick Mail in Carlisle. He was a highlight. He was extraordinary. Um, all the alternative stand-up comedy in the eighties. Um, but but again, I like to watch. Um, as I said before, comedians at the start of the journey. I saw um, Michael McIntyre in a hut at Edinburgh before he was famous. I saw Alan Davis before he was famous. I saw Peter Kay at the Jabez Club in Manchester on a bill of five acts, and he was fourth on. And I laughed so hard. I said to my mate, he's going to be a superstar. And I missed the fifth act because I laughed so hard. <laughs> oh, wow. But it, it's just, yeah. And to find new talent like yourself is just magical to watch. It really yeah. is. You think... Well, if you want to keep going, this is really good. It's like a little ball starting and rolling down a hill or whatever. It's 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 wonderful. Following on from that, like me, at any point in your career or before it, um, do you go to a lot of uh, gigs as a member of the audience? Uh, not as much as I'd like to. Right. I would like to go more, to more, but... Um, yes, just it's just hard to fit it all in, especially if I'm gigging four to five times a week. Even I can't go every night. It's too much. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm doing, I'm going out to gigs with a mix of the kind of established material that I get paid for and then the then new material, you know, for the new stuff that I'm writing. So if that's four or five times a week, then um, when do I spend the time with yeah. my husband or when do I have a bath? Uh, <laughs> when, when do you get your life back? Yeah. <laughs> um, so if you're on a bill of four or five comedians in a night, if you're on first, would you stay and watch all the comedians? Oh, as much <laughs> as much as I as much as possible. It depends where I am yeah. and if I've got a long long journey home. Yeah. Usually, yeah, like I was in Tunbridge Wells the other night and the headliner was Zoe Lyons. That's so I was good. like, I am not going home early tonight. <laughs> She's superb. Absolutely yeah. superb. Incredible. Um, uh I did go to see comedy last night. I saw Jess Fortescue and oh, wonderful. And Milton Jones. Ah, Milton Jones has done this. He was hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. In fact, I think he might be out at Christmas. There's an exclusive. Oh. Love to get Jess Fortescue on here. I have asked her. Um, okay, so uh, just before we go, 
and I've so much enjoyed talking to you. You've been a fantastic guest. Is there is there anything else you would like to say? Uh, have you got any gigs coming up? Um, where can folk find you on social media? Have you got any podcasts, anything like that? Uh, I've got a podcast coming out this autumn to early spring, depending how proactive I am, called The Enthusiasts. And it's people like you, Rich, telling their stories. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you want me on it, I'll be delighted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so the first one, so I'm first, I've, I've got funeral directors, people talking about the funeral industry, fans of the funeral industry, and people that are revolutionising it. I've got pigeon, people that raise pigeons. Um, the each- well, I would, I would be an excellent contrast. Please genuinely get yeah, me yeah. on. <laughs> But the main thing I've got going on at the moment is Headset. Oh, yeah. yeah. Headset is the show that's on at Edinburgh, and then it'll be touring in 2023 and hopefully doing a London run then. I really, I want to do it at Soho Theatre. So hopefully that dream will come true by the time this uh, comes out. Well, as I say, if I miss you at the Pleasance Courtyard, I'll buy you a drink at the Pleasance Courtyard, but I'll definitely see you at the Soho Theatre. Um, Yeah. What's your social media handles? Victoria Melody, and it's my real real name. Victoria Melody, spelt like the music. Right. I've got a website. All my work is on my website. I've got a newsletter that I send out monthly uh, with loads of art, all the art and cultural things that I think are of worth, and so that's always quite fun. But, yeah, put in Victoria Melody. There is a... There is a Victoria Melody in America who's a porn star, so I'm not that one. <laughs> There's an admission. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, for one, am a massive fan. I'm so looking forward to seeing you live again soon, even if it's just a 10-minute set like it was at Sofa So Funny, because it was so unique. That's the wonderful thing about you. Um, thank you so much for being a wonderful guest, and I wish you all the very best. Pleasure. Thank you for having me and thanks for being asking such good questions. I loved it. Thank you very much and all the best to you. See you. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.